I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices Through Lockdown. A stage for real people to tell the real stories we never get to hear. In this series, we hear personal stories as we emerge from the pandemic. If you've been touched by any of these stories, please share them with a friend so they can enjoy them as well. Let's get into today's episode. Virtually every minute of every day is spent thinking about what happened to him that night and trying to work out why he felt the way that he did, why he took that step. This is Mike McCarthy, former BBC reporter and producer. Today's episode is not about Mike though, it's about his son Ross. If you or I were to take a look in at Ross's life back in January of this year, he would seem to have it made. A loving family, a great relationship with his three-year-old son, and the prospect of his summer wedding to look forward to, following the end of lockdown. As a dad, I couldn't have wished for a more loving son. He could be an extremely positive person, dedicated, hard-working, a real grafter, a real life force and ironic that somebody who was so full of life, so active, eventually took his own life. Ross had suffered with severe depression for more than 10 years and he'd always struggled to find a treatment or therapy that would work for him. Over the years, his coping mechanisms manifested in different ways. He started to get a little bit manic. Uh, He started to take on big projects like he he built an extension on his house. He did a fantastic job and we're all very proud of him. Uh, But as soon as the goal was in sight, as soon as the end was in sight, he suddenly lost interest and had to take on another project. It was as though he just needed some very deep distraction to try to escape the, the darkness and the pain of what he was going through. In the few months before his death, things looked like they were turning around for Ross. Towards the end, just around Christmas time, uh, we got together because lockdown was, was, as you remember, lifted temporarily. We got together as a family and we were kind of reminiscing about the past year and we all agreed that the best thing that happened to any of us in 2020 was the progress that Ross had made in his mental health. He paid for and found his own counsellor uh, because he'd struggled through the National Health Service to to find uh, a counsellor that he felt that he could relate to. So he found one himself and uh, he thought he'd cracked it, basically. He thought after all those years of fighting that he'd found salvation and it turned out not to be. The, the depression came back and we think, we'll never know, but we think that that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back, along with the the pressures of COVID and and lockdown. Before Ross took his own life, he wrote a letter addressing his family and friends, which provided some explanation. He mentioned COVID in his letter. His exact words were, I guess this is what happens when you lock someone up for so long, because he was an active member of the local gym and that was closed. He was uh, an active member of the tennis club there and that had stopped. Uh, He took Charlie to swimming lessons frequently and that had stopped. He should have been married 
and because of COVID, that didn't happen. We were all very close as a family, and he couldn't see us. We tried to, you know, connect every day, which we did with FaceTime. But as you know, it's it's not the same as being with people. COVID didn't kill him. COVID didn't help, certainly. We've got no doubt about that. But he had been suffering for so many years, and I think he would have gone on suffering with or without COVID. Maybe added to the weight of the burden that he carried. In fact, we're fairly sure that it did. Uh, but we wouldn't say that COVID was responsible, no. I asked Mike how he felt reading the words that Ross had written in the moments before his death. It felt like Ross was talking to me. And it was in some ways a comfort, but it hurt a lot. He asked us to look after his fiancée, Charlotte, and his child, Charlie. He spoke directly to Charlie and basically said how much he'd tried and he hoped that in future when Charlie was old enough to understand that he would understand that it was not a rejection on his part um, of Charlie because we know and we've, we've witnessed it just how much he loved the boy and, and me and his, his mum have sort of said to each other, well, if, if Charlie couldn't keep him on this earth, then nothing could. Ross's letter was long, detailed, and in Mike's words, full of love. He'd taken the time to go through the friends in his phone and write a line addressing each of them. However, the letter trails off at the end. It indicates that he'd maybe even chosen a specific time because he only got to the letter P and then he apologised to all his friends who were sort of below the letter P in his contacts book and, and he said, it's time. And, you know, you can't help but think about the pain that he must have been suffering and, you know, as a dad, you just want to fix things. You, you know, you just, for your kids, you just want to take the pain away. Um, whether they've got just a cold or, or whatever it is. And that doesn't change as your kids grow up. You know, they're still your little boy. As a child and young adult, there were no signs that Ross would develop his severe depression. No event that they could point to that could have been a trigger. He was happy. He was very funny as a boy and he was very funny as a man. He, he made us laugh a lot. Uh, it's very outgoing and sort of gregarious, certainly on the uh, surface. Um, he used to make Charlie laugh. He would, you know, we've got videos of silly things of Ross dancing in his pants with Charlie just to make Charlie laugh, you know. He was always getting into scrapes. He, as a very young kid, he, like when his mum had turned her back, uh, he drank some bubble bath and we had to take him to hospital and, you know, he was fine. He was absolutely fine. Mike and his wife went on a walk with friends recently and by chance they passed a spot that brought fond memories flooding back. Unbeknown to us, they took us along a route past a playground where Ross used to play. And uh, it, was, it was hard because we had memories of Ross um, playing in that playground. 
and uh, he always wanted to get everything right. You know, he was a bit of a perfectionist, and, and we remember him uh, climbing on the the monkey rungs in the playground and a look of sheer determination on his face concentrating on what he was doing in the playground but also looking to see if, if uh, his mum and dad were noticing how well he was doing you know it's clear that ross had a deep desire to see other people smile he wanted everybody else to be happy understanding as he did from first-hand experience what severe depression is uh, I think it brought out in him this amazing quality where he wanted everybody else, though he couldn't achieve it, he wanted everybody else to achieve the best in terms of, of happiness. A close friend of Ross told a story to Mike that perfectly sums up his character. They were on a stag do together in Budapest, drinking in the square, and he noticed that Ross had disappeared for a few moments. His friend told me that he basically had been talking to a, a homeless guy and he invited the homeless guy to sit with the lads and he brought him a beer and, and some water and made him feel part of the, the group for a while. But he always had a, a kind of sensibility for the underdogs of life. Mike told me he is incredibly proud of the person that Ross was I'm proud that he'd made the effort time and time again to get help for his depression. But he also wishes that Ross didn't feel that he had to put huge effort in to conceal his true feelings. He always made um, a superhuman effort to pretend uh, that he was okay. And on his final day, um, we spoke to him. We knew he was down, but he reassured us and made us think that he was okay. Um, he messaged his mum and said that he'd go for a run the following day and he'd be fine. In the note that Ross left his family, he called on them to continue fighting for better mental health provision after his decade-long struggle to get the help he so desperately needed. Vulnerability is not weakness in men and it's time for us all to acknowledge that and until men do acknowledge that, we're not really going to make any headway with bringing those suicide statistics down. In the UK, suicide is the biggest killer in men under the age of 45. Not road accidents, not cancer, not drugs. It's you, it's suicide. And we don't talk about this. Uh, we talk about committing suicide which dates back to a time when suicide was regarded as being illegal, a nonsensical time. You know, that, that was lifted in 1961 in the UK. Um, and it hasn't been illegal since then, and yet we still talk about committing suicide. I think we've got to, A, we've got to talk about it. We've got to say the word without shame. It's not a a secret to be brushed under the carpet. We've got to change the language because I think without changing the language, we can't improve mental health provision. We've got to get the language right. Uh, I think that's very basic. And we've got to have these conversations. It's got to be regarded in the same way as any physical illness. It's as nonsensical to say that somebody committed cancer as it is to say they committed suicide. Certainly, I know that the mainstream media have not used that phrase for a long time, and yet it seems to be stubbornly stuck as part of our phraseology. Ross asked us to carry on campaigning, and that's one of the things that I'd, I'd like to do my bit with, really.
Mike and his family have so far managed to raise over £15,000 for the charity CAM, Campaign Against Living Miserably. I want to use my experience in whatever way I can to make some little difference, hopefully, because I believe that Ross did have a future. I believe that there was salvation for him out there. He couldn't see that, but I do think that there was salvation. On the night that Ross took his own life, Mike and his wife received the call and drove to Ross's family house in Stockton-on-Tees. When they arrived, Mike noticed a pair of shoes on the lawn in the garden. As I was just looking out of the window, processing what had happened, I wondered why there were a pair of shoes on the lawn outside. Charlotte told me that he'd made a snowman with Charlie and to make the best snowman that he could, because, you know, that was Ross, he'd always go that extra distance. He put a pair of his own shoes on the snowman. The snowman had melted and left just a pair of shoes standing on the grass. Depression is one of the most difficult subjects to both discuss and understand. It not only has such a profound impact on the sufferer, but also on the loved ones who are around the person who is suffering. In the case of Ross, many will be asking how a man who had such a loving and supportive mother and father, siblings, as well as a future wife and a young child could want to end his life. But as Mike makes clear, until we go much further in understanding that depression is not a choice, not something you can simply think your way out of, but rather it's an illness which takes time, effort and energy to live alongside, and that even more time, effort and energy is so often expended in trying to pretend that you're okay, to pretend to the world that you're not suffering. Until we can understand this issue better, will not be able to save and protect the Rosses of the future. The people who are loved and on the surface seem to be thriving, but who are desperate and tired and struggling and need the relief of being able to admit it. We realise the subject matter in these episodes can be tough at times. Just know that you're not alone and there's always someone to help. Reach out and speak to a friend or family member. They do want to help you. There are also some great organisations like CALM, the Campaign Against Living Miserably, Samaritans or Mind, who are only a phone call away. The links are in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, 
ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week. Thanks so much for listening. Now you probably know I'm looking to grow this show. Since you're here, I'm guessing you're a fan, but you might not know how to help. Here's how. 1. Tap follow wherever you're listening. 2. Give it a 5 star review on your podcast app. This helps more people discover the show. 3. Send this episode to one person. They'll thank you for it later. I really appreciate your help. See you on the next one.